it's nice that you're finally writing, buddy, but if you have to write into the night, it's that's super inconsiderate. Like, you need to type on your laptop when it's the night time. Yeah, okay? I was, I, <laughs> was going to say, you never know when inspiration hits, Robin, yeah. and you're like, but here's a very logical reason yeah. for that, and I'm going to go with you on it, okay? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to our Riverdale podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode was suggested by our friend Dave, mm-hmm. and he said that the fun fact should be, what would be so annoying to you that you would kill the other person? Which I think is just inviting us to fight. This is such a violent um, idea. So, Dave, I'm not sure what you're trying to do here. Um, it's working, though. But I'm fully prepared to accuse you of something. <laughs> um, so, uh, basically, I don't think, and, like, I myself am a Slytherin, but I don't think I would ever in any scenario actually be brought to murder. Okay. I just don't see that I mean, happening that's good for, news me. for me. Right. And so the thing that I could think of off the top of my head since I had just watched the episode was like, I think that the things that Tabitha and Veronica do this episode are like not murder worthy, but certainly dumpable. And I'm not sure exactly how those two both got yeah. through their relationships this episode. Yeah. Because if either of those two things that they did happened to me, I would be so out of there. No, it, it, it's Red Flag City. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, if you took one of my, like, prized possessions and destroyed it, just, like, for revenge in any way, I'd be like, I don't know You're if done. we can still be friends. You're done. Yeah, I yeah. just don't know. I'm not yeah. sure. Like I said, I'm not sure how either of those two got through with their relationship still intact. I truly don't know. Especially purposefully. Yeah. You like, know? on purpose, yeah. they both did it on purpose to hurt the other person. Yeah. Yeah. I can it's not give, good. And we'll talk about it later. I can give Tabitha a pass because I do think that she was, like, slightly, slightly being horcrux. Yeah. You know, like in uh, in Harry Potter when it's like, yeah, Ron's being an asshole, but it's because he has the horcrux around his neck, you yes. know? And, like, is Ron yeah. kind of an asshole? Yeah, sometimes. But it was being, like, heightened because of that. And yeah. so I think that Tabitha was slightly being a little horcruxed. By several things, um, but Veronica has no excuse, to be honest. I'm gonna go with you and say uh, that's correct. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, who are you? Oh, hi! <laughs> I'm Brittany Ray. I'm a 32-year-old artist and writer. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can find a tip to be interesting and talking about my cat. And I would definitely say probably for the same reason, just because it's just so malicious. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think that, like, the thing that I thought of when I said prized possession, I was like, as of right now in my life, that is my dog. Your dog, yeah. If you tried to, like, take my dog and hurt him in any way, I'd be like, not only are you a bad friend, but you're also, like, a bad person. Exactly. So, yeah. I would never hurt your cat. Thank you. I mean, I know he's awful. Yeah. But I do treasure him. Sometimes I'll give him a real light kick in the pants, but that's just about it, you Well, know? you know, he deserves those sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. <laughs> Real light kick in the pants. Yeah. Um, and like we said last episode, you guys, Sam is not here with us. She has a uh, new job that she's working on. And so we're doing these five episodes without her. She is, in fact, in the room. Say hi, Sam. Hey. <laughs> she is in the room. Uh, so she's just hanging out back there. She's doing her little tippy tap. Uh, so if you hear any, like, tippy taps on her little keyboard, um, that's her. So you guys can just, like... Feel in your souls that she's in the room. It's true. She's um, with us in spirit. Exactly. But also literally. Yeah. <laughs> no, in spirit is the perfect thing for this uh for Oh, this God. Here we go. Okay. So today we have words to say about episode 602 of Riverdale slash Rivervale. <laughs> ghosts. 
Ghost Stories. Just so we're clear, on Netflix, it's called Ghosts Stories. Oh. Netflix it's not is good. wrong, I do believe. It's not good. Yeah. Um, so Ghost Stories, as far as I understand, this is what it is referencing to. It's a 2017 British anthology horror film. It is based on a 2010 stage play. It stars Andy Nyman reprising his role from the play as a man devoted to debunking fraudulent psychics who is tasked with solving three unexplained paranormal events. Yeah. Sounds pretty dope, to be honest. So one person does not solve them all. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you watch it? What? No, in Riverdale. Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Gotcha. Oh, yeah, because we were thinking that maybe this was like the triptych thing, and it wasn't, but it did have three... It had three ghost stories, theoretically. All right, Brittany. So, toot or boot? Um, I'm gonna give it a boot. Okay. You'd think that I would have loved this episode, but mostly everything was just largely unexplored Mm -hmm. slash... The potential of the ghost stories was just not reached. Mm. Um, some of the La Girona stuff kind of just made me angry. Yeah. So even though this episode seems like it's tailored for me, uh, I'm going to give it a boot. It's funny because I think we've completely swapped because even though I completely agree that a lot of the storylines, I'm just like, sure, whatever. And there were some things that I didn't really like about them. I had a great time. Yeah, like I actively tried to have fun watching it. Yeah, I was smiling the whole time. I mean, yeah, we have done a complete 180. Yeah. But, um. And like, I kind of guessed that as well because I'm a lot more interested in ghost stories than like culty sacrifice stuff. I love ghost stories though. I think that's partially why I didn't really care for Sabrina either. It was just all culty witchy sacrifice stuff. Yeah, with Sabrina, I definitely wanted more haunting things. Like, I wanted more supernatural stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think with this episode, it was just more apparent to me now more than ever that Ross just wanted to keep writing Sabrina, so he wrote Riverdale like Sabrina instead. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's supposed to sort of be a pseudo-horror anthology, these five episodes. Yeah. But the continuity is shit. Mm-hmm. And the stories are not well told. Right. So I have a really high, like, standard for horror. Do you think it would be fair to say that part of the reason why you didn't really care for it is because you watched the La Llorona movie and you know a lot about La Llorona? Because I didn't really know that much about her. And so maybe that's why I had a better time. I mean, maybe, but also, like, the resolution to some of, to, like, especially to Jugathus just made me, mm. like, go, like, huh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Like, they did it better in the Conjuring 2 kind of energy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't think I said, but I'm going to give the episode a toot because I had fun, like, the whole time. And you can do that. Thank you. So there were a few fun facts about this episode that I grabbed off of the wiki. I like a fun Um, fact. Yeah. So this is the first episode in the whole series to not feature KJ Appa. There was a picture of him, but he was not in the the episode. And so as of this episode, Lily Reinhardt is the only actor to be featured in every single episode of Riverdale. That's crazy. Yeah. I love that for her. I didn't think about the fact that KJ wasn't in it. Yeah. First time KJ wasn't in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think probably time off because he's a new dad, right? Maybe. But I'm also like just waiting for them to kill off Betty so that um, Lily also gets like an episode yep. off so that they can say that no no one has ever been in every single episode. But um, And then also, and I don't know if this was a mistake or not, but on the wiki, Squeaky was credited to be in the episode, but I don't know where she was. I assumed she was at Pops, but I just I just didn't see her. Maybe they it might have cut her scene. It maybe was like that's true. They might have cut her scene, and maybe it was just an Easter egg that I didn't catch. But yeah. so yeah, maybe she's in there. Who is to say? So we cut this episode into three storylines. We are going to really quickly do all three of our small little summaries, and then we're going to go into the nitty gritty of the episodes. Okay. So I figured we'd start with Veronica and Reggie. Go for it. Okay. So off the top of my head, what happened with the Veronica? What happened with Veggie? Veronica and Reggie. First of all, um. 
Reggie's dad, Marty, is in the hospital and it's not looking good. They don't tell us why they or don't what tell he's us sick what of. he's sick with. No. And then, so, and he, he's also still working at Mantle Motors. For some reason, For some even reason. though he also works at Pearls and Posh. But also he doesn't because this is Rivervale. Does Hiram even exist in Rivervale? I don't think we've heard about him. I don't think so. Uh, well, wait, Hermosa I mean, does, he so. exists, like, as a character, but yeah. he's not around. Right. Because Hiram is his own horror. <laughs> That's um, not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so basically he goes outside at Mantle Motors and this guy is like, hey, I have this exact car that you want. And Reggie's like, I will pay you an exorbitant amount of money that I don't even have to pay you because you want to give me this car anyway. But I'm going to pay you extra for no reason. Yeah. So he gets the car and he hides it at the garage at school. And Veronica's like, what the heck? She keeps calling him being like, hey, when are you going to be home? And he's like, oh, I'm at the hospital. But he's actually doing the thing with the car. Doing car stuff. So then she realizes that he's at the school. She goes and she's like, hey, why are you doing this? And he's like, uh, I'm I'm trying to relive the good old days because my life is really sad right now. And she's like, okay, that's fair. So the two of them are going to go like make out in Pops because Reggie wants to remind- Relive like, the good old days. Relive the good old days or in front of Pops, I mean. And then Veronica gets kind of uncomfortable about it for reasons we'll get into. So they start fighting about the car and how he's she's like jealous of the car or whatever. She it's talks deeply to, stupid. Yeah. She talks to uh, Hermosa on the phone. Hermosa says, give him a break. He's going through a quarter life crisis. Maybe just give him like a nice gift or something. She's like, okay, that makes sense. So she goes to give him the gift and then she finds a photo of a woman in the car that says like XOXO, blah, blah, blah. And so she's like, I need to go figure out what this is. So she goes to the school to go and confront him about it. And then she runs into Weatherby and Weatherby's like, this was our driver's ed teacher who was also a pedophile. <laughs> and she's like, ask me huh? how this is a ghost story. Right, right. Huh? So then Veronica goes and she, without asking Reggie anything about this, knowing that he was a victim, destroys the car. Yeah destroys the car. He comes back and is like, why would you do this to me? And she's like, because you're romanticizing this bad relationship that you had with this terrible teacher. And he's like, actually, I didn't have a bad relationship with the teacher. She was like the only person I could lean on. And also we didn't have an appropriate relationship. Does that mean she's a good person? Absolutely not. Because apparently she did actually have But she didn't abuse Reggie. Yeah. But Reggie was not one of her victims, I guess, whatever. So then Veronica's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he's like, also my dad just died. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Actually, I don't think she ever says sorry. Um, I think she says maybe, she maybe says sorry about his dad, but she never says sorry about the car. No. And then um, she buys him a new car to make up for it. And then he is like sort of happy again. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. It was stupid. It's the weakest storyline. I honestly, I, I think that it was a more interesting story than Veronica has gotten in the past. I think this is more interesting than her stories with Hiram. I mean, to be honest. I mean, if that's the bar, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, this was supposed to be ghost stories and they were like, hey, what about pedophilia? And right. I'm like, but what about no. not that? Yeah. They're definitely. like, the real ghost story is the ghost of Reggie's of past, past haunting him. That's and I'm it, like, I was, get the heavy hand of he metaphor. had a vision. But yeah. shut up about it. Was it was an apparition. Hey, they're like, hey, you're you're being haunted by the ghost of a pedophile. Okay. Maybe Mrs. Riverdale's a weird show. You know what they should have done is they should have said, yeah, she died before. And so he's actually seeing the ghost of Miss Soprano. And now I'm with you. Yeah, but like they never said no, she they was never dead. Said that. So he just sees a vision of we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway. The, the jug at the storyline. Okay, so I'm gonna Robin's was long, I'm gonna keep mine short. Sorry. Um 
No, because literally like three things happen in this storyline. Okay, are you ready? Jughead and Tabitha find a secret room in their apartment. Turns out that two people who lived there did a murder-suicide. And then Jughead and Tabitha slowly go insane because maybe they're being possessed by those two people. And then Tabitha tries to kill Jughead, but then she doesn't. And that's the whole storyline. You know what? That's totally fair. That yeah. is what happened. That is exactly yeah. what happened. So then for the main storyline. Which is the Tony, Betty, Cheryl stuff. Jughead narrates that there was a fight between the ghoulies and the serpents. Tony, in the fight, tried to hurt Darla, accidentally killed Darla's son, who actually looks like he could be her son. How many friggin' sons did she have? Even more, because at, when she gets to the cemetery, there's more names on the- like, there's- there's more. Anyway. Okay. So then, Darla, we learn later, called for a ghost to come and, like, steal baby Anthony as revenge. So Tony obviously feels bad about this. Three months later, we move on, and Betty is- first of all, Juniper also gets, like, attacked by this ghost. The ghost is, like, trying to attack children. Then- Betty has to deal with one of the serpents who has drowned her own daughter, even though we're saying it's actually the ghost that did that. Um, and so she's like, mm, she won't tell me about it. And so Tony goes to talk to her and she's like, it was La Llorona. Um, it wasn't me. And Betty's like, I can't really say that on my report. And eventually Betty does start to believe and it wants to help this woman. And they're like trying to stop La Llorona before they kill more children. Um, so La Llorona starts taking more things, including uh, stealing babies, stealing Betty's unborn baby, and tries to take baby Anthony, doesn't. Then Tony, so, Betty, Cheryl, and mess. Nana Rose do a seance to learn more about La Llorona that, will, that doesn't matter and will never come back again. Um, because they're not actually learning about La Llorona. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just learning, they're about, learning some about just woman. some bitch. Yeah. So then... Uh, they go and the ba and baby Anthony is like still being stolen. They go and yell at Darla about it. Then they go to the river and she has baby Anthony and Tony asks if um, she can take the place of La Llorona to save her baby. And La Llorona says, okay. Okay. Uh, and then so Tony hands her baby to Betty and says, tell him I loved him and becomes La Llorona and goes into the river. Sure. Yay! Yay! <laughs> okay. So Reggie. So Reggie works at Mantle Motors still in this AU and he has, he and Veronica live together. So basically all the couples have been together for a lot longer. Veronica calls the store and says that Marty has been in the hospital for a long time and that he's sick, but they never say with what. And Reggie says that he'll be home soon. So first of all, he's just looking at this weirdly photoshopped picture of me and Marty. I love that this show at no time is like, we're going to tell people what our characters are sick with. Yeah. Just no guess. Mm -hmm. So Reggie was going to go visit him, but apparently he was having a bad day, so not to go. That's and why I thought it was maybe dementia. Yeah. And he said that they were doing better with their relationship, so he's, like, disappointed that now his dad is sick after, like, before they were able to, like, fully figure out their problems, mm -hmm. I guess. So he goes outside and a dude wants to sell his car that looks exactly like Reggie's old car, Bella. Reggie's going to buy it himself in cash, and the dude is like, oh, dope, okay, thanks. So he keeps it at the school garage, not at the Pembroke. Does he even work at the school? Um, totally forgot about that. No. I don't think so because Archie was the coach, was the football coach. He was Yeah, the but Archie's that, dead now. Okay. So maybe he's the football coach now. Wish we had been told that though. You know, like you're right. Remember what I said about continuity? For sure. So he shines up the car and has a vision of another woman in his passenger seat, not Veronica? And we're like, who is this? And then they don't tell us. Yeah. For so long. Yeah. Well, so I mean, at least it was within the same episode. That's true, but I'm just like, okay. So he immediately overshares with this random dude, um, and he says that he will buy her double the value. I'm like, he's trying to get rid of the car. 
Like, he would, like, I just don't understand being like, I'm going to pay you so much extra money when you would just, when I didn't, didn't have to. Just can't, I, I don't, can't do that. I, it, okay. So he says that he missed her and calls her Bellissima. So I'm like, is her name not Isabella? And he just calls her Bella, but her actual name is Bellissima. Like, was she even named after that teacher? Bellissima is a term of endearment. No, I know, but it also, I was, I was wondering if Oh, because it name. has Bella in it yeah, as like, well. Maybe that was her name, the car. Yeah. Yeah. And then Veronica calls and he's like dishonest about what's going on. When he gets home, Veronica asks what's up and he just changes the subject. That's that scene. This storyline makes no sense. Hmm. What was the point of it? Uh, giving Reggie stuff to do? I guess! That's it. I mean, you know what? Archie isn't a problem anymore, and yeah. the, so the show said, you know what? Now Reggie's the lead. Mm-hmm. Okay! We did promise yeah. that Archie would not be a problem for Reggie anymore, mm-hmm. even though he was never a problem for Reggie. Mm-hmm. So the next day, Veronica calls him again because he's supposed to be at a meeting, and he says that he's at the hospital with Marty, but he's working on the car again. I bet he feels real bad later this episode that he was there instead of actually with his dad. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. Veronica hears the school bell and shows up at the school. Reggie is back in his letterman jacket reliving the old days and she questions what's going on but like forgives him about it. So the guy she's meeting with is Mr. Schaefer and they've got all their maps out so I guess he's the one who is like, I don't know, the architect or whatever. I guess. She comes to the school and she says, I thought you were having an affair. At the school? At the school? With who? I was like, I mean, I guess Barchi did it there, but, like, in the night. So she- Oh, I didn't like, think about that. Maybe, like, do you think this is foreshadowing that, like, I don't know. I don't know. My brain is like, oh, it's foreshadowing that there's a student-teacher relationship. So I wonder if her being like, oh, I thought you had an affair, is why she's able to convince herself of it later. Like, why she snaps to that so quickly, because- no, because it's You could be school. onto something on that yeah. one. So he's wearing the jacket again. He says that Marty's the one who gave him that car. And the way they talk to each other feels realistic, like they're an actual couple. Yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder. Hmm, that's crazy. Hmm. You know what? Let's not, let's not examine that. Okay. So later, Reggie and Veronica make out in front of Pops in the car, and some kids from the school cheer them on. Reggie enjoys that, but Veronica's disgusted because those are her students, and she asks to just go home. Yeah, I'm on Ronnie's team with that one. Yeah. That is disgusting. The teens are like, hey, way to go, man. And Reggie's like, thanks. And she's like, okay, listen, I did your thing, and now we can leave. Like, it it, it was kind of gross. Yeah. I really appreciate this, the next scene, though, because at the breakfast table, she communicates to Reggie that she was really uncomfortable with what happened. Yeah, she does absolutely stick up for herself. Like, after that, she becomes, um, like, mean. A crazy person? Yeah, yeah, like, just actively not nice about it after that, which I don't like. But I did like that she came out at the beginning and said, hey, I just want to talk to you about that. I was really uncomfortable with that. We need to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it shows that they are good at communicating when they choose to. Yeah. He calls her out for wanting to do it on some dirty money, but he can't make out in a car. And you know what? That's kind of fair. Well, she's like, last time I made out in a car, Chuck messed up everything. I was like, that was episode 103. That's there a is deep cut. no way that's the last time that's that that a happened. Deep cut. You absolutely made out with Archie at some point. Like, every time I think of somebody making out in a car, it's always Betty and Jughead or Betty and Archie. But I'm also yeah. like, definitely Veronica must have made out with somebody in a car at some point, you know? Maybe. I don't know. And also, Chuck is famous now based on the magazine that we saw last episode. So you should be, uh, I forgot about that. She calls the car stupid and she calls it stupid again later. And he's like, okay, this is the second time you called my car stupid. It means a lot to me. Please don't do that. Do you want to talk about how Veronica's plot line in this is that she's jealous of a car? Yeah. And that she's like, it's so weird. Yeah. And he's like, what are you jealous of my car? And she's like, no, maybe. (laughs) So he says, hey, you have your kinks. And I'm like, making out in front of pops in a car is a kink for you. Like, why is that a kink? Why would you say that? Why is that a kink? Because it's the car. I love my car and I love my letterman jacket and I love pops and I love women. (laughs) You know what? Same, but like, I don't go around calling those things kinks. 
And so he's like, you have a kink. It's making out on money. And he says, making out on money. Just making out? She said, like... Oh, no, they fully banged. Yeah. No, they, they, they banged. Yeah. So Veronica calls Hermosa about her issues, and Hermosa says to support Reggie because his dad is sick and he's going through a quarter-life crisis, so just be nice to him. And Hermosa also dated Reggie, at least in the other storyline, or in the other uh, universe, so... I'm not mad at Hermosa being featured here. Yeah. I like that she's actually around. Yeah. Like, they're just, like, they call Michelle Prada occasionally, and they're like, can you do some voice work? Thanks. She's like, great, she's that's, like, sure. that's easy money. And I like that she's like, I'm not jealous of Bella, which is the car, but then she is of like a Bella, which is Isabella. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of Bella talk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Veronica brings a gift of for the car to Reggie, and when she sits down, she sees that he has a photo of that woman from before that he that has a note on the back that says, Here when you need a shoulder to cry on. She assumes that he's cheating and goes to confront him about it at the school when she runs into Weatherby. He sees the photo and tells her that it was the old driver's ed teacher who had inappropriate relations with students, and her name was Isabella. Okay. So, first of all, I like that Ronnie decided to take Hermosa's advice and actually quite literally bring him fuzzy dice. Yeah. Hermosa says, buy him fuzzy dice. She does. Yeah. Reggie's the kind of tacky that I think he'd like that. Yeah. But why- the picture to me looks old. It did look old. So why would you assume that that was someone he was having an affair with? For some reason- yeah, like- It's in a my, used car! In my brain- yeah, right. Like, who knows? That could have been that other guy's. Yeah, I mean, you know, and the does and the note does say XOXO, right? So it's like this was definitely a really important photo for somebody. Was it for Reggie? I don't know. Like they, she made so they made so many. Veronica had the idiot ball. Yeah, and they made her make so many assumptions and stupid inferences. Is inference a word? Inference. inference. You know what? Inferences. Because mm-hmm. I'm educated. It was just, it was, it was confusing to me because it was like, why do this storyline at all? They yeah. could have done any kind of ghost storyline, especially since I'm going to go ahead and, you know, just point out that the person with Hispanic heritage wasn't in the storyline that's based in Hispanic lore. But like, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> so she runs into Mr. Weatherby and I'm like, hey, watch where you're going. Mr. Weatherby is old. <laughs> Be careful. He has precious cargo. You know what I ne- well, know what I forgot to check? To see if Mr. Weatherby had all his fingers. Oh, you should check that. Uh, maybe I'll check for next time. Like, was there a cult in Rivervale? Who knows? Is all of Rivervale a cult? I don't know. Kind of, actually. They're all in a cult now. Yeah. Um, he says her name was Miss Soprano. Or Miss Soprano. Miss Soprano. Hey, Weatherby, why do you keep employing predators? You're asking too many good questions. But on our Discord, we were discussing if she even was a predator or was it just the allegations? Because Reggie says that he never had an actual, like, gross relationship with her. But he does say that she, she had allegations with students. Like, he uses plural for that. And so I'm like, was she just very weirdly friendship-like close to all these students? And then there were allegations? Or was she abusing students, but Reggie just happened to not be one of them? I think it's the second one. Because they, mm-hmm. like, you don't just bring that thing up yeah. if you're asking your reader to then, d- or your viewer to then mm-hmm. doubt it. Yes, true. Okay, so I like this reveal. I hate that we have another predator, and I hate that this happened to Reggie or whatever, but it's a really fun, like, it's like a Lost-esque explanation for something from seasons ago. It gave me, the, like, the feeling of just like, <gasps> Oh my god. Oh yeah, like bringing everything full circle sort of thing. We've had, his car has been named Bella for seasons upon seasons upon seasons, and and now we're getting the explanation as to why it's called Bella. Alright! That's so cool! You know what? Fair enough. I will give you that one. I loved that. Yeah. So later, Veronica has completely destroyed the car. She yells at him that he shouldn't be romanticizing this relationship with an adult that took advantage of him before even asking him about it. Mm -hmm. She's like, 
We've learned since season one, Reggie, we don't like predators. Reggie says that he never had a relationship with her and she was just there for him and she was the only one that he told about his abuse from his father and she was very important to him as a friend. Also, his dad literally just died. Yeah, and that's the thing where I was like, okay, I think this relationship was pretty innocent. Mm -hmm. The way I would break up with Veronica so fast. This is... This is an insane response mm-hmm. with, she had zero evidence that this was the case. Yeah. And by the way, if this, if it was the case and say that this horrific thing did happen. And by the way, this is an insane storyline to bring up in Riverdale. Just, just casually bring up like pedophilia. Yeah. Again. Mm-hmm. But if this was real, what you're not going to do to a trauma victim is then destroy something of theirs to try and teach them a lesson. Because if they're romanticizing their abuse, what they need is professional help, not a broken car. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I was like, he's only forgiving her because he needs her. Like, he can't just lose another thing of his life, right? He's lost his father. He's lost his car. That both of these things tied him to his childhood. Right? And so now he's like, I just can't lose Veronica right now. Because then he also loses his home, right? Because yep. he's living with Veronica, yep. right? So he just can't do that right now. And I also wanted to point out that if this was happening while Reggie was in school, it's not only that Weatherby has employed predators in two different times. If it happened when Reggie was in school and Grundy happened when Archie was in school, he had two predators employed at the same time. Unless, like, because oh Grundy- Oh my god, you know, you're totally right. Well, it would be both of them. Yeah, because Grundy left- at the beginning of, like, 10th grade, I think. So if Miss Soprano was there in, like, 11th, 12th, then, like, did you... You got rid of a predator and then immediately replaced her with a predator? Yeah. If it's happened twice, if I had a nickel for every time it happened... You I have, have two nickels! nickels and, and that's two. more than the usual amount of nickels! Yeah. It's weird that it happened twice. Good joke, but... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you to Dr. Doofenshmirtz for that one. <laughs> My my opinion is that they should not have done this. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I have spoken. Yeah. So I like that she says this. I like that she says, do not be romanticizing this relationship. But like you said, he should be going to a therapist for this. I like that she says it, but she's in the wrong, though. Yeah. She's, and she's, she's wrong. completely in the wrong. I'm like, he's like, oh, well, she was there for me and everything. I'm like, okay, just to remind everybody, that doesn't make her a good person, though. Yep. Because clearly she did a lot of bad person things. Yep. Just by the way. And... She's like, it's just a car. Who cares? And he's like, it's my whole life. It reminds me of, like, everything about myself. And she's like, it's just a car. If it's important to him, it's not just a car. Clearly. You it's were a symbol. To, you it's were a, with him when he symbol, had the car. And he explained that it was a symbol. Yeah. And he explained that it was helping him cope with something. And what you did is um, you took a baseball bat to it. Yeah. And also now my dad's dead. Yeah. Just so like, like, by the way. you're really just doing all this at the same time now, huh? I would, ugh. The way I would dump her so fast. Oh, yeah. She would be so dumped. The fact that he didn't dump her is insane. Yeah. But it's also kind of a mark of, like, how wealthy and out of touch they are. Mm. That they're like, well, this is replaceable. Right. You know? Yeah. Which is weird, because, like, Reggie still works at the... I don't know. Yeah. So that night, Veronica gives Reggie... uh, Or, I said that night, but I think it might be a couple days later. Veronica gives Reggie a key to a new car, buying him off once again. I mean, that that is the Lodge way. He says thank you for it, but his heart is still grieving, and they say that they'll, like, get through it together. Yep. Um, so they're gonna finalize the arrangements tomorrow. She really helped with, like, getting the funeral all figured out and everything, and he says thank you. She bought him a new car. She calls him Reggiekins. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think she's trying to... She's bringing up Archie again. She's trying to, like, prove to him not only here is a car, but also you are... 
you have been completely replaced by Archie. You have completely, like, I will even take away this exclusive nickname that I had for him and it is now for you. Yeah, and she's just, it, it, it's giving rebound relationship, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so he, he literally, like, says very sadly and quietly, thank you. I like it a lot. I really appreciate you. Thank you. I feel bad for this man. I don't think she ever actually apologized for doing that to his car, but they're like, Nothing ever comes between us. And I'm like, okay. Maybe some things should. Yeah. Later, Reggie sits in his new car and looks at his picture of Miss Soprano and smiles, seeing her in the back seat, always with him. So first of all, since this is a brand new car, uh, he kind of looks like he didn't even know that the picture of Miss Soprano was there. And mm-hmm. so I think that means that Veronica had, took that out of the old car and like put it in his new car. As kind of like, uh, I'm sorry, and it's, if this picture is important to you, then yeah. you can still have it, which is like very nice. Still doesn't totally forgive the horror that she, that she did. Um, but like, it's a nice, it's a gesture. It's a nice gesture. And okay, Brittany, are you ready? Mm-hmm. The significance okay. of her having been in the passenger seat with him and now being in the back seat. Okay. I feel like before it was like, she has to be with me, beside me for me to get through this or like feel, you know, like it's important for me to be right here. And now it's kind of like, now that she's sitting in the back, it's like, okay, she's it's always- behind him. Yeah, she's, it's behind, exactly. It's behind him. Yeah. I got you. I yeah. got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. I, the symbolism's heavy. Yeah. But you know, it's there. Right. Uh, and that's that. So, Jagatha. Jag- oh, God. Jagatha. All Jagatha. right. <sighs> okay. So now that we've got rid of the not, not a ghost- Two ghosts. Two ghosts. Okay. So Tabitha prepares to head out to a long day of work at Pops while Jughead eats cereal on the couch in his underwear. And somehow <laughs> this the is life. romance. That's the life. I can't express to you how much like I am Jughead though. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, have a good day at work, honey. And uh, I've been beamed in the head with a hammer for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So anyway, Tabitha kisses him goodbye with a mouthful of cereal <laughs> and wishes him luck with writing. She also reminds him to hang up the art next to the door. I knew he wouldn't do it. I was like, there's no way. She's like, don't forget to hang up the next to the door. And I'm like, yeah, that's not getting done. That's not happening. The art's not getting home. Later, Tabitha arrives home and lo and behold, Jughead (laughs) pulled a Britney and forgot to do what his woman asked him to. Britney. Instead, he clearly spent the day on the couch reading comics and watching black and white movies on a TV older than I am. Yeah. He promises to do it tomorrow, which is dude for this is not getting done. So Tabitha speaks dude and decides to just hang the damn art herself. I I respect her Honestly, so much. Honestly, passive aggressive and I'd do the same it's thing. It's passive aggressive, but it gets it done. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> well, okay. So like Tabitha hangs, goes to hang this in the most insane way. Yeah. So the first thing she does is she puts a nail on the wall. And it stays there. And it just stays there. The drywall is so soft. With the, I guess they call it plaster. It just stays there. And then, so she's got it lined up and then she takes the hammer and she pulls her arm back (laughs) and just takes a swing. Ma'am, you're a business owner. You should know things. Yeah. No delicate little taps. Mm -mm. Just a full arm swing right into the wall. Ma'am, you went to school. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. So believe it or not, that does create a giant hole in the wall. Uh Uh-huh. Jughead and Tabitha inspect the wall and discover that a draft is coming through it. There's something behind the wall. Ooh. So they continue to rip the wall apart and find a whole weird room full of scotch bottles with tiny ships and a ton of dust. Mm -hmm. Jughead immediately is like, oh my god, interior design opportunity. This could be a dope writing nut. (laughs) Your Jughead. And Tabitha's just sitting there like, what? 
Yeah. I think it's so funny that there's straight up a window. Like, no one wondered where that window led to from the outside. Like, right? Like, there's a window. There's a there's a window, and apparently that was a closet, but the closet had a window. Yeah. What? Sure. I mean, like, I guess it's up to code. I was like, I mean, I guess they bought it, right? So they can do whatever they want? I mean, they definitely can. Like, they ripped the wall down, and I'm like, well, you know, it's yours. Yeah. So, but Tabitha is like kind of weirded out by this closet. So she meets with their realtor, Miss Gibson, to look over the plans for the apartment. There definitely is a closet in the original plans, but it wasn't disclosed to Tabitha when they bought it. She which tells is what, which is legal, legally she was supposed to do. That. Well, yeah, but with with realty, it's mm. kind of mm. okay. So Miss Gibson legally had to disclose weird or bad things that happened to the property, and she's like, "Well, I did disclose it to Jughead." Yeah, she's kind of shady about it. It's yeah, kinda crappy. She, I'm like, how? What time? How much time did you have to like suss out who you should tell it to so that it, your sale would still go through? Literally, but I feel like realtors actually kind of low key have a lot of psychological tricks like that yeah. because. Tabitha, you can't mess with Tabitha. Mm-hmm. Jughead's a pushover. Yeah. And also she's like, mm, this guy's kind of spooky. He might even like, even if he did tell Tabitha, he'd be like, let's do it anyway. No, he probably was like, she's in love with the apartment. Also, I find this interesting. And they probably talked about writing a book about it. Like mm. this realtor is. She's oh, shady. he and, and Mrs. Gibbons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she reveals that she told Jughead that the previous tenant, Sam and Diane, performed a murder-suicide in the apartment. I just wanted to say that the people who wrote Cheers are going to sue, not only sue Riverdale, but also if Cheers existed in the Riverdale universe, which I assume it did because Jughead watches old TV shows, that Jughead's going to get sued for his novella that he's writing about Sam and Diane if he uses those. You stole my joke from later. Ah! God damn it. Ah! That's the same joke twice. sorry. We'll get there. All right. So Diane killed Sam and then herself, um, and Tabitha had no idea. Okay. Okay. We never talk about where she hung herself, though. Um, yeah. Like, in that closet, and that's why they boarded it up? It's actually not clear. They find out later that she hung herself, but they Mm -hmm. don't really say where or, like, how or... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Tabitha goes home and finds Jughead in the newly decorated closet slash reading nook. He kept the ships in the bottles for a nautical Neil Gaiman theme. And I'm like, I understood that reference. (laughs) Tabitha calls him out for not having time to hang the art she asked him to hang, but he has more than enough time to put a door on his writing nook. Where'd he get a door? Who knows? Door store. Do you think that um, the bugs from last episode were also Diane? No, I think that was a curse. Mm, That was Cheryl. Cheryl or just some kind of weird omen. I don't know. I think the whole town's cursed. Mm-hmm. It's it's WandaVision, I'm telling you. Yeah. So Jughead's super busted and she also wants to know, like, while she's on this diatribe of, here's all the things you did wrong, you annoying little shit. Jughead didn't tell her about Sam and Diane. And he says, well, I didn't tell you because you were so in love with the apartment. And also, I figured I could write a story about Sam and Diane. You could write a story about Sam and Diane even if you weren't at the at the apartment, though. Yeah. Like, I, I love that in this episode, it's actually showing how selfish Jughead is. But instead of just putting up with it like Betty did, Tabitha's like, oh, that behavior will not be tolerated. And I support me. her for that. I love Tabitha. I love her in this episode. Yeah. Um, Hold on. I've got a wedgie. Pick it. Oh, yeah. you got a wedgie after talking about veggie. Yeah. I wish we could keep that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I had a wedgie after talking about veginald. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. <laughs> I'm talking about a veginald. Something about that makes me very uncomfortable. 
It's because it sounds like vaginal. That's why. No. So Jughead actually did some research about Sam and Diane. Sam was a painter who was like obsessed with his work and Diane bludgeoned him to death and then hung herself. No one knows why Diane snapped. Mm -hmm. And basically Tabitha isn't upset about the murder suicide as much as she's upset that Jughead like knew about it and didn't tell her. Yeah. But Jughead's like, but I'm inspired to write again because of this. Yeah. But like I said, and I know he'd be like, no, it wouldn't be the same if I couldn't write it in the actual place that it happened. But I'm like, you could still write about it uh, if you weren't. I thought in the trailer, like when I saw her like holding up that picture of them, that it was Cole and Aaron in the picture. I think it's supposed to look like them. It's clearly meant to look like them. Because when she sees Diane in the mirror later, it takes your eyes a second to be like, oh, that's not Tabitha. Yeah. If... It was me. I definitely wouldn't want to live there. I'm terrified of ghosts. No, I I wouldn't want to live there. Right. And so even if I did love the apartment, if you kept this from me and I eventually found out, I'm so mad. Oh, yeah. I'm in a haunted apartment and I'm, I don't care if I can't afford to move. Like I said last episode, I'm leaving. 100%. Yeah. But Jughead and Tabitha, they literally say, oh, I'm not really worried about ghosts. Are you? And I'm like, you just, you guys just invited a ghost. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that just happened to you. Right. I think it's crazy how we are, like, in 2021, right? But, like, so she's like, I'm not worried about something that happened 50 years ago. And I'm like, oh, that's weird because the, the, in the, um, in the picture, they're wearing stuff from, like, the 70s. You just realized the 70s was 50 years ago? And that is 50 years ago. (laughs) The other day, Sam said something about how, ooh, we were talking about the movie Blade. And I was like, well... I don't know. Like, why can't Wesley Snipes still be Blade? Because he's been recast. And she's like, well, that movie came out like 20 years ago in the year 2000. And I felt unwell. Yeah. yeah. That makes me Like, if you said 50 years ago, I'd be like, ah, yes. Oh, yeah. 1950. Yeah, 1950. I think as a collective, uh you know, human consciousness, we all got stuck in the year 2000 in terms of math. Yeah, that's just how it is. So in the middle of the night, Tabitha wakes up alone and hears a weird sound coming from the nook. It's Jughead writing like a possessed man on his typewriter and the sound makes me want to die. I have like noise-induced anxiety. Mm. Like I have a horrible time with sounds. The sound of the typewriter almost did me in. Mm. It made me so angry. It also made Tabitha angry. Um, so she's like, Jughead, Jughead, and he won't answer. So her solution is to pick up a hammer and kill him. Right. Hey, when it's a dream, that's how it be. Well, yeah, because like just jokes, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Like Jughead's not dead. I feel like as soon Yet- as- Yeah. <laughs> as, soon as-, <laughs> as soon as she woke up and she was like, Jughead, Jughead, and he wasn't answering, I was like, it's a dream. It has to be. Yeah. It's either a Jug, it- it- but it's Rivervale, so yeah. he also could have been possessed and like- it's true. That's how it could have gone. Yeah. Like, she was about to murder him, and I'm like, oh, okay, so Jughead's next. Got it. Like, I know that it's a dream, but I'm also like, it's nice that you're finally writing, buddy, but if you have to write into the night, it's that's super inconsiderate. Like, you need to type on your laptop when it's the night time, yeah, okay? Yeah, I was... I was- <laughs> I was going to say, you never know when inspiration hits, Robin, yeah. and you're like, but here's a very logical reason yeah. for that, and I'm going to go with you on it, okay? Yeah. Um, I just think that's fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you imagine listening to a typewriter all night? Like, we already- No. Oh my god, I was going to say we already have to listen to our elevator struggle to be an elevator, Yeah. but I haven't heard it in a week. Have you heard the elevator bang at all? I feel like I don't remember, like, it happened so often that, like- We might have just tuned it out. I've completely, like, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, tonight I'll listen for it, but- Life in high rises, guys. Yeah. I'm telling you. But like typewriters baffle me anyway. Like writing on a typewriter now. Like I get that but it's like, like wouldn't it like stretch your hands? Like you have to press yeah. things down. I really get hard? I get that it's 
fun and I get that like it makes you feel like you're old timey or whatever but I'm like how do you not make any typos I bet that is n- unreadable um, I think with they- the amount of typos that I would write and also huge waste of like paper and like ink and stuff I don't know that's true but paper is recyclable yeah I will I'm, I'm totally with you on like the that's so inconvenient yeah like- and like you're it's, it's not even like the right size for like like a keyboardist it's like the right size for like your fingers like you have to like stretch them to, to type so on i've that. actually tried to type on a typewriter because my grandparents had a vintage one it was horrible you have to press down yeah. to get that to work like your fingers would be so tired but you'd have really beefy hands i guess i guess that's true i feel like my brain would work faster than i could type at that point my brain already runs faster than i can type yeah i'm just like Maybe it would be harder to make typos because you have to, like, specifically press down the thing. But I would just be out here pressing down the wrong thing because, like, my uh, my finger just went to the wrong one or whatever, 100%. you know? So. You know what? You know the other thing about, ty- about typewriters? No copy-paste. Oh, pass. I'm out. I'd be like, oh, I want to put this quote somewhere else, actually. Never mind. You. I mean, listen, I get that's how things used to be, but that's not how they are now. That's why so I'm never not mind. living where they used to that's be. That's where I'm, I'm not living in the past, like, darling. Like, people are like, oh, I was born in the wrong generation. Not me. No. I, w- I used to think I was born in the wrong generation. Now I was born in the exact right one because mm-hmm. I can explore every other generation from the safety of my couch. Yeah. I'm if good. I was born in any wrong generation, it's probably because, like, I was born too early or something, yeah, you know? Exactly. Like, if anything. And I don't even know that yet. It's true. Yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say? Okay, so the next morning... But she wakes up and he's totally just asleep. Yeah. But it's weird because in, like, the next scene, I think he's just like, you woke me up in the middle of the night, but we didn't even see that. Kate. I was literally about to say, like, they have this whole thing where he gives her so much attitude for waking him up. We don't see that. Yeah, we didn't even see that. But what we do see is Tabitha get mad at him for leaving the toothpaste cap off the toothpaste. And I want to say, as someone who has what I suspect is undiagnosed severe ADHD, I did this all the time. So what my wife did was she got a cap that I couldn't leave off because it's a click top open. Mm. So... In many ways, I am Jughead. But in other ways, I have the best wife. Mm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she gets mad at Jughead. And he's like, um, I didn't leave the cap off the toothpaste. I kind of believe him. I also believe him. It was I the ghost of Diane, it was a ghost. Right? I, I think, think it was a ghost. I think that Diane is actively fostering anger in Tabitha to try and get her to kill Jughead. And can I just say, excellent haunting technique. Yeah. Excellent haunting technique. I think it's cool. Like, footsteps are fine. The groaning's fine. Little irritants. Oh my god, it's genius. Like, later we see her, um, or, like, Tabitha being like, ugh, Jughead left a milk up. Like, yeah. left the milk outside. Just these little yeah. things would slowly drive you insane. Yeah. Which is one day when Sam murders me, she caught me slipping. It's mm. it's not her fault. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they go this through this whole thing where yeah. he's like, you woke me up last night. And she's like, can you just leave the cat back on the toothpaste? And she leaves. And it's like, you you think that she's being petty? I'm on her side. Mm. Tabitha- I'm on her side until later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then she loses me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at Pops, Tabitha tells Pop that she hasn't been sleeping well. And she's like, hey, Pop, do you believe in ghosts? And Pop proceeds to tell us a really horrifying story. Yeah, he's like, I totally believe in ghosts. Yeah, I totally believe in ghosts. And here's why. Yeah. Once, in this very diner, a waitress fell into the deep fryer and died. Well, technically, he said, an accident with a deep fryer. But I'm also like, she fell so into she fell fryer. into the deep fryer and died. What the hell? How did that happen? I think this is a reference. Hang okay, on. Okay, yeah, this look that up. This pulling something out of my brain. But also, then he goes, and then we opened up again a few days later. A few days? A few days later. At that point, you're Girl, still picking up. the deep fryer. <laughs> At that point, 
You are still picking out the fried human skin out of your deep fryer. No thanks. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to the cannibal diner. No. The cannibal diner? No. I will not. Okay, so I googled death by deep fryer movie <laughs> because I didn't want to google death by deep fryer. Yeah. There's a listicle called the top 11 hot oil scenes in horror. I'm oh gonna click God. on that. Okay. But I remember something like this. My only other note about this is like, we, when, we opened, a lot. when we opened up a few days later, damn, mourn her. <gasps> oh my God, this guy just pulled this other guy's face off. Oh, Scream. Oh, it happened in Scream Queens. And American Horror Story Coven. Yeah, it happens in a lot of things. So this is a horror staple. Mm. Is you death by deep fryer. Yeah. But so I'm like, why don't you take a second to like mourn her? Yeah. Don't you all like know her and we're friends with her? But okay. Okay, so here's the, here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. Pop tells this story. Mm-hmm. And so Tabitha says, you know, what happened? And Pop says, well, a couple days later when we opened up, we were basically haunted. You know, the jukebox would play itself. The pots and pans would fall off. And Tabitha asks, you know, how do you get rid of it? And he gives the single stupidest yeah. answer <laughs> I have ever heard in my goddamn life when it comes to hauntings was he says, after some riots in the 1980s, every window was smashed and the ghost was just scared off. Yeah, it was like, oof, that's loud. I don't like that. <laughs> Literally, that's what it was, though. Okay. And it, he says, the dead can be scared. The dead are as scared as of us as we are of them. And I'm like, I, I don't it. think that's true. I doubt I it. I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very scared of them. Yeah. So keep in mind how stupid this is, because that's going to come back later. Okay. So... At home, Jughead reveals that he figured out how to get a ship in a bottle. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say that I'm fairly freaking certain this takes people years to learn. Mm -hmm. But Jughead's special, so he did it in a day. Yeah. He did nothing all day but that. Mm -hmm. But he's refilling his well of creativity. It's his process. You know? And you know what's annoying? I kind of get it. Mm. Tabitha wants to know what happened to the scotch in the bottles that he used. And he's like, whoa, 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 I'm not drinking. I grabbed them from behind the white worm. And I'm like, okay, so does the white worm recycle? Yeah, exactly. He's like, does this imply- like, are you drinking? He's like, no, I'm picking up litter. Yeah, I'm like, does this imply that there was enough infrastructure in place for a recycling program to happen in Rivervale? Who knows? Who's to say? You know who, you know who would have set that up? Archie? Yeah. Yeah. Too bad you guys killed, killed him. him. Okay. He reassures her that he's going to start writing again because, you know, this has really given him a lot of inspiration. Like, it's time. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that Jughead's just kind of being like a chill person. See, I think Jughead's being deeply annoying. But but he doesn't know he's being annoying. He he thinks that he is, like, doing what he needs to do to get writing. Like, she keeps being like, you need to write, you need to write. And so he's like, this is my process for me to start writing, which is what you want me to do. That part I'm with you on. Yeah. Yeah, Like, as someone who does creative things from time to time, Mm -hmm. you, you can't force it. From time to time. From time to time. Well, because my writing is not exactly creative writing. I'm writing listicles for Mm. a living. But, so there is a process. I would never call my own process a process because I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's just, I want to paint something. I want to do this. I want to do that. But Tabitha saying, I thought you were writing. I thought you were writing. That is the one part where I'm like, I'm not on your team here. Mm -hmm. Because you can't force these things. Yeah. Okay. So... A little bit later, Tabitha finds some milk out on the counter, and it has a picture of Archie on it. Robin, would you like to tell me about this missing person Archie milk carton kid thing? Absolutely. Okay. So we all know how the missing milk carton kid thing works. Um, Maybe not, though. They don't really do it these days. Yeah, it's just like historically they put missing kids on milk cartons and they are found. Because everybody gets milk. 
So Archie is missing on the milk jug. It says to contact Mary Andrews, which of course is like, I mean, it makes sense. That Where no are you? Have... Are you still with Brooke? <laughs> well, it makes sense that no one would have told Mary that they murdered her son. But I also am like, That's I'm true. sad that no one cares or is talking about it, you know? But again, that's more evidence that yeah. this is such an alternate reality because no one really cares about anyone else here. Yeah. So it says that he he went missing September 15th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Sorry. 20, 2021. Okay, so you got that really wrong. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's okay. It was just one number that I was on. Hey, don't worry about it. And I would complain more about this if this was in the real universe. Okay. Um, But we came back at the beginning of season five that, that we said, it's 2021, Chad. You remember this? Yeah, yes, of course. And then at the end of season five, Jughead said, almost a year later, which means that it's now 2022. Listen, the rules don't matter. Here. I know, yeah. I know. I just, I, that's what I'm saying. If, um, yeah, if I'm we were in the regular... One, I would be complaining more about this. Whatever. So September 15th, 2021, he went missing. So we're in, we're in like, wait a second. What? If it's three months later from that, it's supposed to be December. There's no snow. It's New York. It's Riverdale. <laughs> Sorry. It's Riverdale. Okay, but you know that in the established world of this show, the weather doesn't make sense. No, and neither does the, t- does the time. Yep. So it says that he went missing in Rivervale, New York, and that his date of birth... Here we go. Is July 1st, 1995. I was born in 1995. You sure were. Also, they said that he was 25 last episode, but he would be 26 if he was born in 1995. Would he really? Yeah, yeah he would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm just, it, it was more of a question of surprise. Yeah. I think, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, it's just weird because the Riverdale characters have always been firmly rooted in Gen Z. Um, and then when they changed the seven year time jump, to be um, 2021 again, they pushed him back to millennials and it was just weird. Yeah. It was just weird. A lot um, of their choices make sense as millennials though. Yeah. Because none of these people, none of these characters are written by someone in Gen yeah. Z and you can tell. So anyway, it's just weird to know that uh, all of these characters were now born in the year that I was born mm-hmm. instead of like just significantly younger than me, which is how I was thinking about yep. them. His height is 5'11", which makes me laugh because that means he's just one inch away from being six foot. Oh, so close. Which is weird, because I think KJ is six feet in my Yeah, head. I bet he's... Hold on. Alexa, how tall is KJ Appa? KJ Appa is five feet 11 inches tall. There you go. <laughs> That's how tall he'd be. All right. So presumably Tabitha's thinking that Jughead left the milk out. Oh, okay. This is this goes back into you, yes. I think. Yeah. Okay. So Tabitha is like, okay, so Jughead left the milk out. And then she turns to put the milk away. Fridge is open too. Mm-hmm. And then she opens the fridge. There's a hammer on top of some pizza in the fridge. And Tabitha's like, what the hell? This man is useless. So she confronts him in his nook with the hammer in hand. But like, it's so, you know, like heavy handed foreshadowing. You know how it is. Sorry, hammer handed fro- foreshadowing. <laughs> um, Jughead reveals- Did you write that knowing that you were going to say that joke? No, I literally just improv it. I'm very funny. <laughs> There's also a hammer in the fridge. Uh, she confronts Jughead in his nook with the hammer in hand. And Jughead reveals he's almost finished writing an entire novella. So he, she's like, hey, when do I get to read it? And he says she can read it after he's done revising what he calls his vomit drafts Mm -hmm. and she's really excited yeah she's like oh my god i'm so sorry i doubted you yeah exactly like you know he got it done Mm -hmm. at the diner tabitha fills betty up with decaf coffee because i guess betty still thinks she's pregnant even though she's not yeah and she tells betty that she had no idea that living with a writer would be so intense and betty's like (laughs) yeah yeah like betty basically commiserates and is like yeah he's kind of insane when he's deep in his writing mode yeah but it's exciting to read his vomit drafts Mm mm-hmm and Tabitha's Yikes. like, that could be me. Mm-hmm. She is totally shocked. And Betty says, 
What? Sorry, I just think it's so funny that they were like, well, Reggie's uh, really insecure about Archie. And then they're like, well, Archie's not a problem. And they're like, well, we need somebody to be insecure Someone, about somebody's somebody ex. needs to be jealous. Yeah. And it's like, well, what if Veronica was jealous of a car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Tyler could be jealous of Betty, right? Do you think the you car went to heaven like the Impala from Supernatural? Like, if 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 Reggie were to die, if she's named after a pedophile, no. All right, fair enough. I say this having not seen a damn episode of Supernatural. I watched like the first two, and then I was like, "This is too scary for me." I watched it, and I was like, "There's so many men." Mm. Goodbye. Mm. Okay, so Betty basically says that Jughead wanted her to experience his stories in their rawest form, which is why he let her read the vomit drafts. And Tabitha lies and says, yeah, it's totally the same with me. And then just like totally Lisa Simpson meme, like, <laughs> behind her back. Here's my thing about this. What? Okay, if Jughead's process in these seven years has changed and now he doesn't let people read the vomit drafts, okay. Uh-huh. But the thing is that he says, I never let anybody read them. No, yeah, like he should right? have lies. He did lie yeah. about that, right? If it just had just happened, oh, like... Oh, I used to let people read them, but I don't really feel comfortable with it anymore. Okay. It's different now, but you lied and said that no one ever did. And like, literally, this is crazy, but this is why Sam and I got together. Mm. I don't let anyone read the rough drafts of my work, but something in my brain was like, I can, I can let Sam read it. She makes me feel safe. So I always let Sam read my vomit drafts of everything. So I'm like, signs. Okay. So at home, Jughead arrives with more scotch bottles. How many ships are you going to build, dude? He's got a whole box of them. He's hyper fixated. That's true. He finds Tabitha reading his vomit draft with a drink in hand. His draft basically tells a story of his protagonist narrating about a woman that he's with, his wife, who doesn't understand him because she doesn't have an artist's soul. Mm-hmm. And Tabitha took that personally. Yeah, she said, okay. And he's like, I was writing from Sam's perspective, not mine. Exactly. It's a story, Tabitha. It, it's... And, like, she's clearly drunk. Okay, but here's the thing. Tabitha is so right here. Here, just... just okay, okay. okay. Jughead is mostly mad that she broke into his desk and interrupted his process. Mm -hmm. And Tabitha says his process is letting her work her ass off at the diner while he stays home playing with toy boats and writing a story about a wife who doesn't understand her husband and then kills him when he leaves the cap off the toothpaste. Yeah. So all of these little things I feel for Tabitha add up to this is a story about me because of the toothpaste thing. For some reason, I thought that she was hyperbolizing. No, she's not. And that, and that, like, he hadn't actually written that into the thing? No, he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's literally what it says in there. Because then he then explains, well, it wasn't because of the toothpaste. It was, like, a whole bunch of oh, things. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. And then he was like, no, 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 but that was part of it, right? I'm like, okay, but he's got, he's gaining inspiration from his own life. But, I like, don't, yeah, she's, no. she's drunk and she's getting horcruxed, so, like, I can't blame her. I, I, I think that because they were both under the influence, mm. that's what he was doing. She's correctly interpreting it, but she's even angrier than ever. I think that was fully just normal Jughead. I, think I don't. Only, I think only Tabitha is the one who's being, who's being horcruxed. Since when can Jughead sit down and marathon right without doing shrooms? I guess that's fair, but that's because of his process. I don't know. I but. don't think so. I think, but I mean, they question this later, right? Mm -hmm. They say how much of that was us and how much of this was Sam and Diane. So we are not supposed to be able to know. It's up to interpretation. For some reason, I was under the uh, idea that like only Diane was here. But now I'm like, maybe Sam was was here and Sam was just dealing with Jughead. I think it was both because I think that even from the beginning, there were little signs of that because Jughead's acting like such a negligent dick. And like, he's a little bit more aware than he is in this episode usually. I don't see him as being like... 
negligent dick. I think he's just hanging out. I think he's just trying his best. But, like, this is the thing. is like... And, like, Diane's just, the one who's doing the annoying stuff. Right. But when you're just hanging out, if you make a mistake, like... I forget a lot of things. And so Sam knows that I forget a lot of things. So she has to remind me of things. But when I forget something, I feel genuine contrition and an upsetness. And I say, oh, I'm so sorry. And then I immediately get up to do the thing I forgot. Mm. When she came in and saw that he didn't do the art, he went, oh, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then just went back to watching TV. That's kind. That's disregarding her feelings, which she says later. Sure. So that's Can why you- I think, hmm. Yeah, but that's one thing. What else has he done? What else did he do? Well, there was also the him sort of spending his days doing nothing mm-hmm. but putting the ship in the bottle. Right, but we talked about how that was part of his process and how it did end up working. For sure, and at that point, it was, unre- it was you know, unreasonable for her to be mad at the process. Yeah. But the implication, the greater implication is that Jughead is being negligent to how Tabitha feels because mm. he's become so obsessive with these little things. Okay. To the point where he doesn't listen to what she's thinking mm-hmm. or feeling. I guess I just feel his, like, the face that Cole makes when she holds that hammer over his head and he could just see the deep fear and confusion in his face really stuck with me. Well, yeah, because he doesn't know he's doing these yeah. things. Which I think is part of, like, the insidiousness of the haunting mm-hmm. is that neither really understands why these things are happening. Tabitha mm-hmm. doesn't know why she feels crazy. Right. Jughead doesn't know why she's so upset. Like, right. and it's Jughead a brilliant haunting. And it's like he's becoming so obsessed with his work, which is Sam haunting him. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just interesting because Diane is like, let's get Tabitha to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Sam isn't necessarily working with Diane because she murdered him. Sam is just like, I'm continuing to haunt somebody into doing the exact same thing that I did. Yeah, I think it's sort of like, it reminds me of this episode of The X-Files where there was a couple who did a Mm murder-suicide and then haunted a house and they would lure people to the house and then work together to force whoever was in the house that night, they choose Christmas, to also do a murder-suicide. And I think that's basically the blueprint of what Mm. this was, which is... They're now so addicted to their own pain and their own anger at each other. They're probably working together and they probably find this romantic. Okay. I guess because we didn't get to see Sam the way that we saw Diane in this episode, uh, it just wasn't as clear. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so Tabitha is big mad about all of the implications of Jug's story. He says the story isn't about them. It's about Sam and Diane from Cheers. It's actually fan fiction. It's going to be published on AO3. Mm Mm-hmm. She doesn't kill him over the toothpaste. But how is he going to copy-paste onto AO3? Exactly, bestie. Well, I guess he could just take pictures now, because Apple can do that right in your camera. Insane. So, she doesn't kill him over the toothpaste. It's because he's too obsessed with his work. So, there's the implication there. Tabitha says, actually, she kills him because she does nothing but support him, and he disregards her feelings, so Diane bludgeons him with a hammer. Right. I work hard, and you write about how crappy I am. (laughs) Exactly. Dude, that's that's literally it. That's the whole thing. Right. Well, also, like, Jughead has recently written stories about his own life, and then people get mad. Like, he doesn't learn. He doesn't learn, and he doesn't respect people's boundaries when it comes to using them as inspiration. Mm -hmm. So, she spots all of the bottles that he brought home that he's apparently not drinking and he's like well yeah that scotch that i plan to pour out and then use for my boats yeah and she loses it she's like that's my money (laughs) yeah and she's 
right for that. Yeah, for sure. I remember when we were watching that episode, I was just like, with your money? And she was like, that's my money! And I was like, so true. Be like, you know what? Go off, bestie. Mm-hmm. So she starts smashing use, every bottle. Can you use any other bottle from, like, any inexpensive? Probably. Like, he's just a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, start- well, all these other ones are made with scotch bottles, and so I thought, I, I have know, to use scotch. Yeah. I gotta use the scotch. Otherwise, I don't want match. They're the right size. All right. I'm not the weird one here. <laughs> so Tabitha starts smashing everything, including the ships, and she eventually gets to the typewriter, and she lifts it up, and then she smashes the crap out of the typewriter that Betty gave Jughead. Mm-hmm. And Jughead is really upset, and he's like, Betty gave that to me, and Tabitha's just like, okay. And so she raises the hammer to kill him. Right. Because she's going to kill him. And I don't, I think this is totally, like, fair of Jughead. First of all, it's, like, his prized possession, the exact same thing that happened with Veronica and Reggie. It's his prized possession, and, like, even though it was a gift from Betty, and he can say, like, this was a gift from Betty... She still means a lot to him as a friend and meant a lot to him, just like Reggie. Like, she is something that was important yeah. to him when he was younger. Yeah. And so, like, I don't think it's unfair for him to be like, um, that was a really important gift from a really important person I also for don't my think life. that's unfair. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that's unfair at all. So Tabitha raises the hammer and then she looks over to a mirror and she sees herself as Diane about to murder Sam. So she drops the hammer. She says that they're stronger than Sam and Diane and that they can work through their problems. She then tells him that she loves him for the first time. I guess. Apparently. You signed a mortgage with this man. Mm-hmm. How did you do that before telling him that you loved him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jughead literally looks up at her like, is this my final moment in my life? And it's because of this, you know? And then they immediately just go, I love you. I love you too. Yeah. If I were Jughead, I would be making, you know, some some decisions here. Exactly. I just don't know how, they, how both of the relationships continued on this one. I don't like, know. If she's like... <sighs> She puts down the, the hammer. We're not them. We're better. I'd be like, first of all, I know. Second of all, you just ruined so many of the things that I love mm-hmm. and matter to me. Third of all, you almost murdered me. Yeah. I don't feel great about that. I get that I've been annoying lately. Yeah. But I don't know if I should die for it. Yeah. So apparently this whole thing makes Sam and Diane leave the house. Yeah. But. Because of the loud noises, Brittany. I guess. But, like, the implication kind of is that the power of Betty, or of Jughead and Tabitha's love made them leave yeah. the house. And I'm like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. When they did this in The Conjuring 3, it was better. Mm. The power of love can stop supernatural forces, but not these twos. Mm. Thank you. Everyone's too forgiving. Like, even if he was just like, it's okay, I do love you too. I, you know I'd be holding a grudge. I would... Even if like, I didn't I love know you, it, but you tried to kill me, so it's over. Even though I, even if I don't know it, I'm going to harbor resentment for this. Um, for sure. Yikes. But I mean, I guess the one saving grace is they were kind of possessed by ghosts. Yeah, I guess. So later, Jughead boards the closet back up. Tabitha asks him if that was Sam and Diane making them act insane, or was that them? And Jughead guesses both, which I think is fair. Mm -hmm. Which is way better than if he was just like, no, it was definitely all them. We're perfect. Exactly. So he says, hey, that was their first real fight. And I'm like, yeah, all first real fights between couples result in one trying to kill the other with a hammer. For sure. That's how Sam and I's first one went. Yeah. And now we're married. And who are you? Diane? Oh, no. I'm the annoying one. I'm Sam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tabitha wants to know, like, what their next test is going to be of their relationship. And Jughead says, hey. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Maybe love is a series of tests that test the strength of our relationship. And I'm like, I think I like that, but I also think I hate it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what I feel about it. 
But either way, the story's done now. Yeah. So before we go on to the last one, we're going to talk about Patreon. Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theafficionados. Um, it is a monthly donation of $1 or more. At the $1 level, you get early access to all of our podcasts. Um, the other ones are one week in advance. This one is one day in advance. Because it's weekly. Of course. The $2 level gets you access to our Discord server. $5 gets you 10% off at shoppylux.com, which is where you can uh, buy some of Brittany's cool stuff. And you can buy um, some customs from me. And you also get 10% off of my Etsy store that has all of my other stuff. And I have a whole bunch of Riverdale designs on there. Woohoo! Uh, and my personal favorite is the $10 level, which is access to our Patreon-only podcast, which is called OK Love You Hi. We talk for four, about 45 minutes every two weeks about whatever, whatever we, we want to talk about, whatever our listeners want to talk about. And it's... It's fun. Hope you check it out. It's nice. If you can't help us out on Patreon, like we said, check out ShoppyLux.com or the Hibernity Etsy. Uh, and then if you can't do that, recommend us to a friend. We'd really appreciate that. Even if your friend doesn't watch Riverdale, say, hey, if you want to keep up, you can watch this or you can listen to this. Oh, also, I forgot to say that Archie being born on July 1st makes him a cancer. That makes sense for him. I don't know if I saw that coming, but it's interesting. Yeah, but like think about who you, what sign you would assign Archie to be. I see it. Hmm interesting. I want to see what KJ's birthday is. Is that just his birthday? He's an Aries. I know it. No. He was born June 17. My guy is a Gemini. Oh, that also makes sense. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. That makes total sense for yeah. him. 100%. Yeah. Okay, so the Tony storyline. Hey, let's do it. All right. I hate this storyline. <laughs> so Jughead narrates that a West Side Story Romeo and Juliet thing has been going on between two kids in The Serpents and the Ghoulies, and it culminated hey, in- Hey, who are the two kids? Sandra and Daniel. Do we ever see them? We see Daniel. But it's like, it's so stupid. No, I mean, they're like, important because Daniel ends up getting murdered by Tony, and Sandra gets murdered by her mom. Oh, that's right. Like, that's Oh, them. I didn't realize that was Sandra. Yeah. Okay. So it culminates in a fight between the gangs. Tony threw a knife at Darla, who, yes, is back. And Again. it instead hits her son, Daniel, who looks like he actually could be her son. Yeah, it's not like a grown man. Yeah, how many years were supposed to be between Daniel and Dodger? I don't know. How, how many children did this woman have? Like, at least five, I think? Because she also had Bill, Bill and Fagan. Yep. But, so, and then Dodger, Daniel, and Desmond, because we see Desmond's grave. Uh, later, Daniel and Desmond. It's just weird that she gave three of them D names and then Bill and Fagan just are hanging out, I guess. Anyway, Tony was trying to wound Dar Darla and ended up killing Daniel. Yeah. Tony, you're a grown woman. What are you doing in a knife fight? Yeah. Grow up. Mm -hmm. So Jughead starts the narration by being like, gather round, kitties. It's time for a ghost story. Immediately I'm sold. Good. It's Immediately damn good. I'm sold. I'm like, thank you so much. Yes, I'm here. Cole is eating up the whole Twilight Zone yeah. vibe and it's, it's, it's good. He says that Sandra is the serpent princess and uh, Daniel is the ghoulie prince. And Should then we not have the, met the serpent princess before? Well, both of them end up dead. So. Okay. All right. So they, you know, long may they reign. Yeah. And she's like, oh no, my son Daniel is dead. If you're worried about your sons dying, maybe don't let them be in gang fights. Yeah. Like what I if? Know. I don't know. Crazy idea. Mm -hmm. You do didn't let them join gangs at all. Hmm. I know. I know. So three months later, Tony is talking with Dr. Whitley, a therapist, about how she can't get over what she did and she's ashamed. Um, oh, well, yeah, you murdered someone. Yeah, how did she not go to jail for murder? Probably because she's an elected official. An elected official murdered someone. Is in a gang. That Tabitha almost did too. Like, I would say you can't make this shit up, but someone did! Yeah, and Alice has murdered people and Frank has murdered people. I think everybody but Tabitha uh, on that, like, panel of four has killed somebody. But has anyone done it so blatantly as Tony in that moment? So true. So, this is a 
a storyline for Tori, Tony, I just want to say. Mm. I like, I mean, I like the idea that Tony has, like, a storyline where she's the main person. I don't know if it needed to be this one, though. Yeah, yeah it could have been a different one. Yeah, because I'm like, well, now that Tony's a mom, is she still going to have any stories that aren't about being a mom? No. Probably not, right? No. Yeah. Does Which Alice is- have any stories about not being a mom? Which is why they immediately took it away from Betty. Yep. Because Betty has other things to do. No, Betty's, I guess... His mom now. Baby Anthony's mom. Well, there's a thing about that is, like, Tony never learned that Betty lost her baby. So I think she was just handing it to Betty to be like, take care of him, please. Make sure he's okay. I would not be surprised if we see Betty with baby Anthony in the next episode. Yeah. She's like, well, my... She'd be like, well, Fangs, your girlfriend is dead. My boyfriend is dead. Maybe it's just me and you now. New ship. Betty and Fangs? New ship just dropped. Yeah. So Dr. Whitley is like, have you reached out to Darla? And she's like, I don't think she'd want to hear from me. I think she's right. Tony says that if anything happened to baby Anthony, she wouldn't want to live anymore. So it makes sense that Darla might feel that way. For sure. So at Sweetwater River, we see a spooky ghost rising up from the waters and walking into Rivervale. And now the sign says, perfect for a rainy stay. Why does the sign keep changing? I don't know, but I love it. Okay. I think it's hilarious. I wish that we had seen it be different again at the end of the episode like we did last episode. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm going to be Home watching of all the it. murdered babies. Yeah. <laughs> it's real fun. So Dagwood runs to tell Cheryl that Polly is attacking Juniper in the bath. Uh, Cheryl breaks down the door and she just unlocks it. Now tell um, me why they think that's Polly. I don't know, but that's real sad. Yeah. I guess they just assume. Yeah, they assume a woman in a long black gown and veil is their mother. Well, Dagwood wasn't in there. <gasps> oh, he's just assuming. That's really he's sad. He's a little boy. Yeah. You know. So Cheryl opens the door and saves her from the ghost that's trying to drown her. Um, so before this happens, she's having a drink with Nana Rose and they're like, oh, all of our trees have sap again. And they cheers to Archie's dead ass. And that's the, really the only mention we get that anyone acknowledges Archie's dead. Other than the missing thing. Other than the missing thing. thing, Yeah. The show goes on as if Archie isn't dead. And I think that's so funny. And it's weird because Betty's like, well, if I have a boy, I'm going to name him Archie. And I'm like, after the man you helped murder. Like, were they directed to just act as if they don't care that Archie's dead? I think probably. That's so funny. So Dagwood runs in and goes, Auntie Cheryl, Auntie Cheryl. And I was completely brought out of everything because I have an Auntie Cheryl and that's what I call her. It's true. So that's very confusing to me. And they think that Polly has come back to like take her or something. Maybe so. So Cheryl goes and she hears that she's like in trouble and Cheryl has keys to every room with her at all times, I guess. Sure. Why not? I mean, it is like a boarding school now, right? Yeah, I guess so. This, so this scene, first of all, is a horror staple of an attack in the bath, Mm -hmm. but they purposefully did do this in the La Llorona movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay. I guess it's some kind of homage. They got everything wrong about it. Mm. But. I love seeing Auntie Cheryl, though. Oh, yeah. Like, they should use her more as an Auntie yeah. Moore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's weird because, uh, you know, with Tony, she's like, I'm a mom now. I'm doing only mom things. And now I'm like, it's nice to see Cheryl being kind of motherly, you know, because she never gets to do that. Well, yeah, usually she's running cults. And now she has, like, uh, Juniper has, like, weird handprints on her shoulders now. Yeah. So Cheryl goes to Betty, who's chatting baby names with Kevin, and tells her that Thornhill is haunted and Alice needs to take the twins. I think that's so funny. She's just like, yeah, something bad's happening. And Betty's like, well, that's the world we live in now, yeah, so she's sure. Like, she says the thing's so normal. She's like, ah, yes, uh, it's haunted, and so um, we need Alice to take the kids. Did you want me to tell Alice, or are you going to tell Alice? And Betty's like, haha, isn't okay. that so funny, Kevin? Just another classic Cheryl. And I'm like, do you not remember when you guys sacrificed Archie for the greater good? good? No, clearly not. So she says if she has a boy, his name's gonna be Archie, and if she has a girl, then she's gonna name her Polly. And I thought she knew that she was having a son. (gasps) Wait, yeah! 
Yeah. Was she not like, I conceived yesterday and I can tell it's a boy? Yes, that's literally <laughs> what she said. Yeah. I also noticed that they're making Betty look quite matronly. Yeah, they are. Um, and then as soon as she loses the baby, then she's not as much. The desexualization of mothers and yeah. then the resexualization of fertile women. Yeah. Hmm. So Betty goes to tell Tony that a serpent mother drowned her daughter in the bathtub and is going to be tried for murder, but she won't talk to Betty. Tony knows Lucinda would never hurt her daughter, so she's going to help Betty talk to her. And then after she does that, Tony says that Lucinda said that La Llorona came and killed her daughter, but Betty can't really write that on her report. I mean, I I guess that's fair, but... Yeah. La Llorona, like, the original Mexican sort of lore was that La Llorona was a woman, depending on, you know, who tells it, because there's a couple different versions, but one of the top accepted ones is that she's a woman who found her husband having an affair with another woman and in a fit of despair drowned her children mm-hmm. and then drowned her, tried to drown herself out of guilt. But because she had drowned her children and committed such a sin, she was not allowed, you know, into heaven and she was right. forced to walk the mortal plane trying to basically recover her children again. Mm-hmm. And she's supposed to wear white. Oh. Yeah. She's supposed to wear white, which is a big one for me. But she's not, like, from what I've seen, usually it's in, like, groups of two. Um, she takes children. This Lyrona just grabs whatever child she sees, I guess. Yeah. But it's, oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, when she takes Betty's baby, the the children are supposed to drown, but she just kind of, like, sucks the baby out of her, I guess. Well, I guess that's I don't why, know. like, Tony says, oh, there are lots of different, like, kind of pieces of folklore that kind of have this woman who steals children or mm-hmm. whatever. And so I'm like, maybe some of the stuff is from those other stories or something? Which would I don't be know. fine if they didn't directly call her La Llorona. La Llorona. Time, yeah. yeah. So they're like, oh, Lucinda killed Sandra and Sandra was 16. Dr. Curdle looked at her, so that means that he is the mortician as well? I guess. I'm like, does he actually do both jobs in Riverdale too when we've just never seen him be a pediatrician? I don't think so. We've never seen him at the hospital. I know, exactly. Like, maybe he's just like a family doctor. I don't know. Maybe. But then at that point, he definitely could have helped with Tony Tony's baby instead of like Fangs being like, mm, no, I- I'll do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Betty's like, well, the FBI wants me to charge her for doing this. I'm like, the FBI cares about this small town murder? I don't know if the FBI's jurisdiction jurisdiction extends to small town murders, right. but okay. Well, I mean, they do have a convenient office there, I guess. Yeah. But this is not a federal crime. Mm-hmm. So Tony does some research on La Llorona and believes Lucinda. She calls Betty about it and tells her that sometimes she steals unborn babies as well. And then that night Betty is sleeping and the ghost comes and touches her stomach, leaving like a creepy handprint on her jammies. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So Tony's like, well, maybe she's telling the truth. I don't know. Like, there are a lot of different versions, but they always go after children. And Betty's like, yeah, okay, well, I'm sorry, but we're going to charge her with murder. I don't know what else to do. All of this sounds fake. Like, you guys sound insane. Yeah. So Tony's like, okay, well, I just, I really feel like none of the children in this town are safe until we figure this out. We were like, it's nice that, like, they have a Latina person telling this story, Mm -hmm. but she, but literally they have Madeline playing her and also- Wait, that's Madeline? I'm pretty sure. Oh. And she literally has like one sentence. Like Lucinda, she has one sentence to say, it was La Llorona. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. COVID did some weird stuff. Yeah. And also when La Llorona goes to Betty's house, she's back in the Cooper house. Yep. So she's like, I can't stay here now that Archie's dead. So she goes back to her house. And so I'm like, who lives at Archie's now? Just Frank or? Probably just Frank. He and Alice need a bang pad. Yeah. Betty's like, 
Listen, it made a top-notch bang pad while I had it. So don't worry about yeah. it. Just make sure to not um, sacrifice yours. Yeah, that'd be good. Hot tip. Yeah. At school the next day, Tony sees water dripping from the ceiling of her classroom, so she runs out and sees the ghost in the hallway. She pulls the fire alarm and grabs an axe, running towards the ghost, but she disappears, and Kevin's like, what the heck, Tony? So obviously, Lyderona is only visible to mothers? I don't know. There's There was something on Wikipedia, because obviously I... I've, I've seen the movie, but I knew that the movie was already a bastardized version of the actual legend. But from what I saw, there's been a lot of criticism about how La Rona is like a patriarchal story mm. because it punishes mothers for being quote unquote bad mothers. I don't really know. I think the legend's more used to scare children, but mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I think it's ridiculous that um I think Riverdale uses it in a patriarchal way. Yeah. I guess my thing is that like she goes out and then she like completely ditches her classroom as she pulls the fire alarm and now the classroom's like uh we have no one to follow. Can you imagine if what you were we just do? sitting in that classroom we'd be like, "Well, those things are probably aren't related." And I know she has like a bunch of different jobs like Kevin did, but I'm like, aren't you the guidance counselor? Like, what do you even teach? I had that same question when we were watching it. I was like, what class is this? On the board, it said the civil rights movement quiz number three. I guess she teaches social studies Mm -hmm. or history. So when she goes up there and she pulls the fire alarm, I'm like, why would you even want to bring people out into the fray? She said, oh, well, she needs more prey. I guess. And then she grabs an axe and I'm like, more weapon. You're going to accidentally kill another kid. I literally thought that same thing. I was like, is she going to kill someone else right here? Yeah. And Kevin shows up and he's like, what the heck? And so later when Mrs. When Miss Weiss is there and she's like, oh, someone called for a wellness check for you. She's like, oh, was it Kevin? I'm like, if it was Kevin, he would not be out of bounds with that. But I'm also like, I don't know if this is enough for you to send a wellness check, like legally. Like, yeah. Maybe if you weren't like active friends with her, but like you guys are friends and colleagues. I don't know if I would like do that. I don't know. Especially because there's no evidence that anything happened to baby Anthony. Yeah. He has no evidence. Right. And also, wouldn't you have just talked to Fangs? Right. Why is Fangs not there? Yeah. So Betty goes to see Dr. Crittle Jr., who says that she's no longer pregnant. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Later at Pops, she calls Tony to tell her that she's going to help Lucinda. Um, she believes her now, apparently. I, I think it's so funny that Dr. Crittle Jr. wasn't even like, oh my god, you had a miscarriage. Like, he's just like, it's a hysterical pregnancy. You were never pregnant. You were never pregnant. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, so someone was watching Midnight Mass. Got yeah, it. Yeah, so it literally was like, mine now. Suck it up. Yeah. So Archie died and now you don't, you don't even have anything of him. Was it worth it, Betty? Yeah. Was it worth it? Right. Like she didn't even tell Mary about the grandchild that she might have had. Nope. Hmm. Okay. So at home, Tony is having a meeting with the iconic Ms. Weiss. Okay. And she says that she was called here to do a wellness check on baby Anthony. Tony thinks Kevin called her and WTF Kevin. They hear spooky things happening and find baby Anthony on the floor because he was almost taken by La Llorona and Ms. Weiss is like, "Mm, this doesn't bode well for you, Tony. But then nothing happens. But then nothing happens. There's no consequences. No. So first of all, Ms. Weiss has a first name now. Yes, it, yes, she does. Janet. Yes. Hi, Janet. Janet Weiss. Is that a Rocky Horror reference? I, I don't know what Janet's last name is in Rocky Horror. So she says she got an, an anonymous complaint and even she calls him Baby Anthony, which I thought was funny. It's it's quite... Janet Weiss is... Is? Yes. The name of the Rocky Horror? Yes. Interesting. Okay, well, there you go. That's cute. I like that. And my next note was just, I love Ms. Weiss. I think the woman who plays Ms. Weiss is lovely. She's got a really pretty, like, welcoming face. I think she was the perfect person to cast. She's this. she's a good actor. I, I like her, her a lot. I like her a lot. And then the baby screams and the baby's on the floor and they're like, this is not great. And then... And that's it. And then they're both like, well, um... I guess this is unrelated. This plotline's over now. Yeah. So Betty, Tony, and Fangs are trying to make a map of all the places the ghost has been so they can try and see where she'll be next and they're going to Cheryl's 
for like a seance to talk to her. I think that's very funny. Yeah. So it's like in a line from the river. When they look at the map, it's slowly making its way away from the river. And Tony can just like feel that baby Anthony is the main target. And they're going to try and like protect him with the serpents. Imagine if I was a serpent, like it's just like 40 serpents all standing there being like, I'm here to guard a baby. (laughs) You would feel so deeply cool. Yeah. Especially if like they probably don't know about the ghost or whatever. They're just like, I'm just standing guard with this baby. Yo, but like if... Darla summoned La Llorona to go after Tony. She was just like, well, it's cool if La Llorona takes all of these other people's babies, too. Yeah, Darla doesn't give a crap. I guess. Darla's straight up just a bad person. I'm gonna say yeah. Mm-hmm. So Betty, Tony, Cheryl, and Nana Rose have a seance to contact the ghost. <laughs> this, this show's so dumb. They do, and she explains her life story and how she became a monster by speaking through Nana Rose. She's um, not La Llorona, by the way. No. She's not the original. She's just a woman. She's just some bitch. Yeah. And then, I so I guess Lucinda was just confused. I guess. I guess. But she has all the trappings of it. Mm-hmm. And she says that she was summoned by Darla. Okay. So they're trying to summon, summon La Llorona or the Weeping Woman. And I am so scared of ghosts um, that I would be afraid to even film this. Yeah, I would, I would not want to be in a seance. I would be scared to be in the room. No, I would not want to be in a seance. Yeah. I'm hard pass. So one of the most iconic episodes of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody of all time is the episode where they all do a seance and um, the ghost speaks through Esteban. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. Okay. So the ghost says that her name is Martha Mallon and she was a children's ward nurse at Rivervale's first hospital. So this only takes place in Rivervale, I guess. Uh, Yep. And Darla just knew about it. Yep. They lost many children from lots of different things and they all blamed her for them dying. So they killed her and her children and drowned them in the river. So this is a reference to Mary Mallon. So um, this completely throws off the legend. Yeah. Because she's supposed to not be able to ascend to a different plane mm-hmm. because of her punishment. Yeah. Why was this woman punished? Don't know. Who's That's why say? Tony says, hey, you were innocent before. Yeah. Or later. So Mary Mallon, also known as Typhoid Mary, was- <gasps> Typhoid Mary? Was an Irish-born American cook believed to have infected 53 people with typhoid fever, three of whom died- and the first person in the United States identified as an asymptomatic carrier of the disease pathogen. Because she persisted in working as a cook by which she exposed others to the disease, she was twice forcibly quarantined by authorities, eventually for the final two decades of her life. Malin died after a total of nearly 30 years in isolation. Oh, wow. At that point, I'd be like, I'll just die now. At that point, they would have said that um, she shouldn't have to quarantine because she should be allowed. It's her religious freedom <laughs> to be allowed to kill other people via uh-huh. cook. Yeah. So. Right? Yeah. She's like, what? I don't need a card that says I don't that need I... a vaccine card. <laughs> yeah. I, it is my right to be able to kill people if I choose to. Yeah. So Nana Rose... I do feel bad for her, though, for the record. Yeah. That's a horrible way to live. Mm-hmm. So Nana Rose spits up water, <laughs> and they're, like, literally killing Nana Rose. <laughs> Cheryl's um, like, let the bitch drown! She's like, oh, no, we need a name. We can't do that. And Tony's like, no, we need a name. We're gonna wait. We're gonna wait. And I'm like, honestly, Nana Rose has done some pretty abhorrent things, uh... It's okay if That's she suffers be, a little. Yeah. This might be some uh, repenting happening yeah. here. But Betty is like, um, we shouldn't do this and like breaks the circle to try and save Nana Rose. And it turns out that Darla called La Llorona from the grave of her son. And after, you know, everything's done, Cheryl's like, hey, Nana, sorry. <laughs> hey, sorry for drowning you. I'm so sorry. But you know what? I feel like Nana is crazy enough to respect it. Yeah. And Betty's like, 
Darla Dickinson. Why is that name so familiar to me? Betty, I thought you're you're supposed to be a detective. Darla Dickinson has actively wronged you. Uh, Like she has come to your house. Like she was the one who came to your house and to bother Chick. Remember this is Rivervale. Maybe that never happened. Oh my God. Maybe that never happened. So later Tony and Betty go to the cemetery and find Darla at her son's grave. She says Daniel was her last son alive and the ghost won't be stopped until she takes baby Anthony. Tony says she's sorry, but that's not going to stop the ghost. So Darla was expecting them, which means that she's like, I don't know, hung out here every single night waiting for her to show up. Can you imagine her like preparing her monologue every single night and then being like, oh, maybe tomorrow. She's like, I I buried all my sons and Danny was the last one. And I'm sorry. I'm going to complain about it every time. Darla has a bad accent and this bad ADR. It makes me so uncomfortable. It's It's what one might call cringe. It's cringe. And so she's like, you want to kill my baby for your like 16 year old son? And she's like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the plan. She's like, he's a baby. Yeah. He, um, he must suffer for your crimes. Yeah. And she's like, well, I have a bunch of serpents there. And he, she's like, well, the serpents aren't going to stop her. And no, the right. serpents can stalk a ghost. Yeah. Hey, I'm telling you, Betty, I mean, Jughead and Tabitha's love stopped a ghost. Yeah. So why can't a bunch of serpents with knives? So true. So they run back to where the serpents were guarding baby Anthony, but they were like all knocked out and the baby was taken. Um, and it's all like wet and weird in there. <laughs> Ew, what yeah. a freaking bummer of a sentence. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's all wet and weird in there. Yeah, and but Fangs is alive and like Tony goes and like running to him. And honestly, like, thanks for remembering they're in love. Right? Like when she says his name, I'm like, oh, this is actually really sweet and sad. Yeah, like you did that and then you completely, then you immediately took it away. You know, it's like they they gave it to us and then they just don't talk about I it I think anymore. they'll give it back because they got together in River. Dale. Dale. Yeah. So they run to the river and see the ghost about to walk into the water with the baby. Tony offers to take her place as the ghost so that she can finally rest and also to save baby Anthony. So she gives the baby to Betty and becomes the monster herself and walks into the river. If this was anything other than Riverdale, it would be a beautiful moment. But it's Riverdale, so it mostly just looked goofy. Mm. But I will say that so many babies have been drowned at this exact location. And that's a Battlestar Galactica joke. Can you explain it for the people who haven't seen Battlestar Galactica? Adama drowned a baby there, but it was a vision. He didn't actually do it. Spoilers! But it was that exact, it was like that exact location with those little pillars in the water. Yeah. It was wild. And you also pointed out that the editing is clearly just like, hey, it was day when we shot this, and now it looks like night because we tried to make it look like night. Yeah. yeah. If it, again, if this was anything other than Riverdale, it would slap, but yeah. it's Riverdale, yeah. so. So she comes up and she's like, please don't hurt my baby. My baby is innocent. And she's like, no one's innocent. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure um, that baby is. He's a baby. I'm pretty sure he hasn't done anything. He hasn't made a conscious choice yet other yeah. than to like poop his pants. That wasn't even a conscious choice. Yeah, that, that one was just yeah. biology. And she's like, well, you and your children were were innocent when they killed you. And so you should show us mercy and change the fate of your curse. And I can tell that Vanessa is thinking of her own son in this moment. So mm-hmm. I think that she, with with what she's been given, she's doing a good job. Yeah, she's doing a good job, for sure. And she feels like she deserves to be punished for killing Daniel. Um, and she's talking to Martha. And this is what it made me think of. Okay. okay. This is a real deep dive and probably unnecessary. Okay. When they did the Heathers musical. Okay. There is a song, like, at the very, very end of the musical that goes, Martha, are you free tonight? Okay. Right? And... I was really upset about that because they didn't have anybody playing Martha. Right, of course. Because Martha was the character everyone makes fun of. Mm -hmm. And so nobody, they straight up just didn't cast Martha, even though she's an important part of the show. And then they sang Martha, Are You Free Tonight when no one was playing Martha. 
So it kind of made no sense. Anyway, so Tony finally saying, hey, I'm talking to a character named Martha. I'm like, here she is. And you know is what? She, I think it's a reach, but I'm going to allow it And is you. she free tonight? You know what? And she was. And she was. She, she was freed. Yeah. So she's like, take care of him, Betty. Does she know Betty lost her baby? Like she said, like mother's intuition, like maybe she just feels it. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Yeah. And so Tony takes over being the ghost and she says, please tell him that his mother loved him. And... Then we switch over to Jughead, who's like, so that was kooky. Yeah, Jughead literally, like, pulls you out of the moment, and he's like, wasn't that wild? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, Jughead was! Jughead in the beginning and ending with, like, him narrating is my favorite part of every Rivervale episode. Yeah. They should have been doing, like, I know that we still have Jughead narrating beginning and ending in the normal episodes, but it's just voiceover. I want him to be doing this every episode. Yeah. I I love it. The way that he gives it the Twilight Zone energy. I was telling Robin that I think this is the only thing that is keeping this whole arc from being a disaster is that it's framed like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. So now we're going to go into segments. Uh, My first segment is which character needs a hug the most? If I didn't give it to Reggie, I would be mad at myself. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and my segment is which MILF was the most badass? It's weird because I want to give it to Tony for like sacrificing her own life, but she also killed a kid. Mm. I'm probably still going to give it to Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, what are you shipping the most? There's just not a lot to <laughs> ship this episode. Yeah. If um, if I could give a suggestion, the only, like, non-toxic ship, I feel like um that moment when Tony ran to Fangs. I was literally going to say that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I didn't really feel vibes from the main moment, but that, uh, that real moment when Tony runs to Fangs first in the, like, pile of serpents, that was pretty good. Yeah. I'll give him that. Love it. And uh, I just, I hope that Alice and Frank were just, just making out nonstop this whole episode since, you know, Archie's dead and they can do that now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. My other segment is, is Chick dead or what? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who? And Every- does he exist here? Who knows? Who knows? And now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Tabitha and Jughead for... Jughead. Mm. How many times have I told you not to leave the toothpaste uncapped? That uh, wasn't me. What? Yeah. That's honestly the only one I could find. I did not find this episode to be very funny. Yeah, I didn't either. I think there was one point where Jughead said something. I don't remember what it was. You don't even have to have one if you don't yeah, want to. I, I, I genuinely like struggled to find one because I didn't remember anything that funny happening. Yeah, I got nothing. Like, who usually has the funny jokes? Reggie. And Reggie was sad. He was just mostly really sad. So now I'm going to go into uh, thoughts from the trailer. So first of all, we see Tabitha in her uniform at the hospital. Yep. And there's some dude there. He says that he goes by many names. And Reggie tells Ronnie that he's the devil. Okay. This is I just love Sabrina. The well, this is just Sabrina again. So no, it I'm is. just like, yeah. oh, okay, am I going to like this one? I'm not sure. And then we, so we see the guy. And we don't recognize him. And there's a fire behind him somewhere. It looks like it could be the casino, maybe, if they've expedited the casino happening. I'm not sure. Which they probably have. Jughead says he agrees to his terms, and the guy's like, cool. And so I'm like, oh, is Jughead signing away his soul? And then we see Kevin signing the contract that actually says, I am signing away my soul. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what I'm intrigued by well, is what oh my you God, get I out of he it. goes to super hell like Castiel did. <laughs> I'm just like, but what do you get out of it? What if Kevin, what if Kevin is so ashamed of being gay that he's like, I'm going to sign over my soul so that I can be straight. If they do that, I will lose my mind. <laughs> like, I, I, I will, I, I will set fire to the writer's room. Yeah. Veronica asks Nick if he would, if he would sign away his soul for her. Ew, Nick. 
Why is Nick here? Why is Nick there? Um, and then we see the trash bag killer again, and he says, do you want to see my real face? And then we see Betty. Uh, how do you breathe in that thing? You there, don't. There's gotta be little nose holes yeah, or something. Yeah, he, like, puts I don't nose know, holes but, in yeah. it, but, like, they don't always line up, so a lot yeah. of the time it's just inhaling big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News too. And thank you so much to our lovely roommate, Sam, for hanging out in the back while we recorded this podcast, and also Emily, who was here for maybe the last... Five minutes. Of yes, it. she was. Appreciate. If you are so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I'm so used to saying iTunes. Wherever the hell you're listening, I'm like to this. iTunes isn't a thing. Yeah. If you're a fan of the hundred, we talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing, and now we're going back to do the good old days, filled with spoilers. We're starting with season three and going backwards so that we can end with season one. Love that for you. Thanks. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We have covered every aired season, mm-hmm. and we're just waiting for season four. Yeah. One day it'll come out. But you guys are going to want to catch up before uh, before season four comes out. Yeah, sure. you should do that. If you're a fan of Lost, we talk about that show too. It is the one of the best shows of all time. It is our longest and most big brain podcast. We have guests over there and also a spoiler section at the end. So if you want to listen along while you watch for the first time, you can. Yeah. It's on Disney Plus. Um, and it would be my absolute honor to uh, to walk you through. I like it. The show. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. And Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. And like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because ugh, it is expensive. I mentioned all of the super cool perks that you can get from there. If you can't help us out on Patreon, check out shoppylux.com or my Etsy. Both of those uh, are going to be in the description. And um, if you can't do either of those, just recommend us to a friend. We'd really appreciate that. People do not have to watch Riverdale to listen to this podcast. It's true, you don't. Yeah. It's probably better if you don't. Right. Yeah. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Apertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. So the next episode is episode 603. It's called Mr. Cypher. I couldn't find any sort of film that was a reference to this, but there was a song by Bud Tribe that uh, was called Mr. Cypher. And when I clicked on the lyrics for it, it's it's totally it. Oh, okay, Um, okay, okay. okay. It's basically literally talking about the guy and the lyrics end with like selling your soul. It's basically Mr. Cypher is the devil. Gotcha. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I do believe that's what they're referencing with this title. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.